Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Boy, I tell you, this week I feel like the state coroner for corn and soybean fields. The amount of death certificates we had to hand out, how many fields we had to tear up. Fields that were flooded, corn drowned out, fields that got washed out, severe crusting, not letting the corn out, herbicide damage, cutworm, slugs sand and soil blasted and soil drifted over the top of it so got a lot to talk about on this boots in the field you might want to pour a cup of coffee and grab a chair but as i looked at a lot of fields both corn and soybeans no doubt um, the most replanting we have is uh, again from the 19th through the 24th that seems to be the the biggest problems both in corn and soybeans uh, you could actually see things start to change on the Sunday there, the 23rd. Stuff planted in the morning was in a lot more trouble than stuff in the afternoon. Um, but that's where we just couldn't get ear counts high enough or populations high enough to keep. Now, once we got to the 24th uh, through Wednesday, we still had trouble. But most of those fields, um, by hoeing it, we were able to salvage the stand and move on. Some of them still re had to replant the low areas and up, but definitely an improvement once we got to that side of it and if we were ahead of the stuff on the 19th uh, most of that corn's in pretty good shape too except for the where the water stood uh, for long periods of time itself but again the the stuff from monday through wednesday a lot of that needed to be hoed itself and when we get out there to do those stand counts something that uh, um what we're doing or what I would recommend that you do is stretch a tape, count all the plants, uh, whether they're uniform or not, and get yourself a stand count so you know where you're at. Then go back and look at for the uniform plants and count them as ears. So let's say if you had planted 36,000 and you count 30,000 plants, but only 27 of them in a thousandth of an acre um, are uniform at the same growth stage count them as ears the rest of them it gets kind of iffy then from there trying to predict a yield estimate from that if we have a determinate hybrid uh, I would use seven bushel per uniform plant so if you had 27 uniform plants it would be seven bushel per thousand all the rest of them give it half of that so three and a half bushel it may or may not make that, but that's a good number to use. If you got a full flex hybrid, again, take your uniform plants, and I'd use 10 bushel, and I would use 5 bushel for the rest that's left itself. So then you can come up with a projected yield this early in the game to give you something to work with itself. And in a lot of cases, what we had is we had stand counts that were high enough, but the ear counts weren't. Uh, this corn has struggled too much to get out of the ground and lady mergers and stuff. And again, that 19th through the 24th, um, we had too many misfires. Uh, and some of those that were planted spiked down just never got to the surface in time to, to participate in the ear count itself. And... From there, then, you can get some actual numbers. Do I want to settle for 150 bushel corn, 160 bushel corn in the economics that we got today? Uh, or where am I, where's my insurance at? What am I going to work with there itself? But the main thing is if you accept some poor stands, and as I'm driving down the road and we're tearing out all these fields, I see a lot more fields that even from the pickup, uh, you can tell that they're in trouble and nobody's doing anything about them. 
if you accept these poor stands and these poor ear counts, then you need to readjust everything at this point for that new yield goal. So are you farming for insurance or not, or that type of thing as you think about going forward, but especially in the marketing side. So if you've got yourself uh, sold in this market, uh, make sure that you you got the crop out there that that you think you do when you're going to harvest it. Just because it's green and in a row doesn't mean that we're going to have uh, the ear count out there itself. I'm not sure I've seen a time when we've seen this much replanting when we take in the whole territory, especially in corn and soybeans itself. Some of these fields we patched in, some of course we just had to take out and start all over. But I have to say, I, I was impressed how quick uh, our customers were reacting to this, how fast the replanting was getting done, getting done at lightning speed. Uh, guys are doing a good job of making the call, getting in there, and, and cleaning this up, the guys that were paying attention to it itself. The other thing that I saw this week was a lot of fields that were salvaged with the rotary hoe. And um, for the first time, I feel that as a customer base, you guys were pretty quick at getting there with the hoe, breaking that crust and letting it through, especially that Monday through Wednesday corn itself. You can tell when you're looking at these hoed fields, which ones that you helped. Um, those corn plants are usually slightly tilted, right or left uh, type thing where the other ones are straight. Those that have a little bit of a tilt to them, they're ones that are working out through the crust. We saw a number of fields where just by hoeing alone, we figured we improved six to 8,000 in the actual ear count and that was enough uh, for the field to you know to not have to be replanted in that situation still of course getting replant calls at this point most of it now has been underground too long even if we hoe it we're just improving the stand we're not improving the weed but good job on all you guys that got out there as one customer i was working with said you know this has renewed my faith in a rotary hoe if i knew it was going to be of this much value maybe i'd take better care of it and actually stick or invest some money into it uh, to have it you know ready to go and that's probably not a bad thought if this is the new normal that we're going to get three inches of rain at a time, maybe we need to rethink what kind of condition our hose are in, how big our hose are, uh, and uh, what kind of care we're going to take for it. How quick can we get to it? Uh, too many times this week as I looked at fields that were in trouble, I said, man, we should have hoed this. And this guy said, well, my hoe is broke or I don't have a hoe or I don't um, you know, have a hoe big enough to handle these kind of acres. Maybe that's something that we need to revisit uh, for the future as far as that could be a tool that if these storm fronts are going to keep coming this way, we have to think different about how we're going to protect ourselves. In the replant decisions that are out there, um, when it comes to corn, and I run into this probably four or five times this week, and, and I'm going to advise heavily against it. Do not intercede into existing stands. That just never works. Uh, if we go in there and fill in a pond, that's one thing. We set the planter down and pick it up, that type of thing. But going into a stand of 14,000 and trying to add 20,000 to it in corn is just not a good deal. Uh, you're going to waste time and effort, but at the same time, you're going to severely suppress the 14,000 that you had there, meaning that its ability to, to expand and put an ear on with another 20,000 weeds growing next to it itself. It's just something that, you know, if you don't have the, the nerve to tear that stand out, just leave it when it comes to corn itself. Now with soybeans, of course, that's a little bit different. We can interplant into soybeans. Very seldom in our experience does it ever increase yield. It gives you suppression for weed control. So if you're interplanting um, to help you handle the weed, especially in a field that's got 
beans in 30-inch rows and you're worried about coverage there, we know beans can handle some pretty low populations, but the weed pressure is getting awful tough with the resistance that we have. Now again, this is early in the game for beans, so maybe instead of taking the time to interplant, again, we ought to be taking them out and replanting them. But interplanting to thick up a stand for yield, that's very seldom does that work either. It's going to be more for the weed control side of it. Now, something that I ran into again this week, probably a dozen times, is we're looking at early planted beans that have really struggled and the stands really probably should be replaced. And we're coming across situations where these beans were planted early, they spent three weeks in the ground, and they didn't have any protection for sudden death. And without the protection for sudden death, now we got a problem. Because if we intercede into it, our interceding is just weed control, and it's going to be plants that carry very few pods come August. And our yield has to come from the first stand. If our first stand comes down with sudden death in August, then we got nothing but green beans and poor pod set. I'm not sure why we were pushing early April beans without sudden death control if you're fighting sudden death, but it has happened. Guys got carried up in the early bean planting, didn't think that whole process through. That Well, I just put some more beans out there. If you're fighting sudden death and you don't have any protection, um, this is going to be a sudden death year. we got to have the other conditions during flowering to finish this out. But spending three weeks in the ground, struggling to get out, that's a recipe for sudden death. So some of those fields need to be tore out just because of the high risk, meaning that you're not guaranteed a good yield, you're not guaranteed good weed control. Uh, maybe you need to think about different. Now, taking them out, if you went away from the, uh, the GMO and you can come back in there and plant a GMO in there, and, and smoke them out. That's an easy way to do it. I got some guys that are going back in with extend beans and they're going to use dicamba to take the first ones out. So there's a couple different ways to think about that, but it's something that um, we have to put into play. Now, again, most people focused on the corn first, and I think we'll see more bean replanting in the following week to come itself. Had many calls uh, today and yesterday dealing with what do we do with the Dust Bowl of 2017 that we had there on the 17th. We got corn plants that are cut off. We got corn plants that are covered up. We got corn plants that are beat up pretty severely. In a situation, these corn plants, it's a, it's a lot like frost damage. The smaller the plants were, if they got beat up by the amount of soil blowing around, the better off they'll be. The bigger plants will take it a little bit tougher. Um, they're going to look a little bit tougher in the next few days. Uh, they're gonna, you're going to see some brown, purpling coloring to the, to the shredded part of the corn leaves themselves. And you're going to notice the world start to wrap up, just like they would in frost damage. So you're going to see some knotted up corn plants that are kind of buggy whipped uh, due to the amount of damage that's done on top. They're going to be all right. It's a lot like frost damage as far as well, we got this dead tissue we got to deal with and some of these plants will be wrapped up and they'll continue to push and they'll push out next week. And when they do push out, this the centers are going to be white to almost a bright yellow. So it'll look a little bit funny from that perspective itself. Um, but for the most part, they're going to come through that in pretty good shape. The bigger the plant, probably the more stress we added. And some of these early planted cornfields, unfortunately, Unfortunately, are setting some uh, yield potential right now, and this is not a good stress for them itself. But you want to watch for the new growth, and that 
will be definitely be visible by Monday. You'll see that this plant is off and running again, especially if these temperatures pick back up. Uh, you'll see the new growth in it itself. Now, in some cases, the corn got cut off. Again, um, it'll still be all right. It'll push out a new shoot if it's there and a situation where it'll come back. Actually getting a lot of calls and pictures coming in of corn that got covered up. And this, again, is your uh, fence rows. If you had fence rows out there running east and west and the corn, it's on the north side of that fence row. Some of them drifted over anywhere from three to six rows out, and the corn is covered up with soil. Um, that corn's toast. So you're going to have to go back in there and, and do something with that. But uh, as far as that, that corn making it out, it's not going to happen itself. The thing we want to remember, though, is this corn's under stress now from that amount of damage done to the leaf tissue. So we need new growth before we do something like a post-herbicide application. So we need to hold our horses a little bit, let this corn recover before we go in there. And I do realize in some cases, based on weed pressure, based on corn size, we may miss some windows of opportunity and have to change our post-herbicide application. But don't be applying a post-herbicide to this corn while it's still trying to shake off all the damage from the, from the dust storm on the 17th. We've been uh, through a couple, three rounds of nitrates now as guys are pulling in the nitrates and uh, collecting them uh, for side dressing itself. We haven't got a real good handle because they're not coming in from all areas yet, so we need to uh, continue to watch it. I would say there's some good news and there's some bad news. The good news is so far the nitrates are a little stronger than uh, I'd anticipated. I actually expected to find lower nitrate levels because Lake Springfield, Lake Decatur, and Lake Bloomington are all dealing with nitrates. Springfield and Lake Decatur are treating and Lake Bloomington is blending. So there's nitrates on the move. But I'm finding better values than I anticipated. But what I'm also finding is the second foot is almost equal to the first foot. So that tells you that we got nitrogen moving downward. Uh, last year was a really nice, from a nitrogen perspective, we kept good levels in the top foot, minimal levels in the second foot. That's not the case already. So a situation where we have the second foot carrying a pretty good load of nitrate itself, which means that we're, we're having to adjust. There is some nitrogen missing. We're making some adjustments in itself, but we got a long way to go in the side dress season as we get more rounds of uh, nitrogen nitrate sampling in will kind of keep you abreast a bit. Um, but if you read most of what we're working with now are guys that are side dressing. So they have a small amount of nitrogen up front and they're going to bring the rest back in the side dress. As we start to see more fields come in where we've had fall applications or full applications put on in the spring, then the losses potentially could be bigger. But right now, uh, I'm pleased that we don't have more missing than we do. I like to go back at, to and address this issue of the Dust Bowl on the 17th and the erosion you know running from from north to south east to west in our territory I personally don't think I've ever seen this much erosion by water and wind in my career in one spring and we're seeing some pretty serious erosion as far as water erosion um, I've seen some fields that are just carved up big time and 
the amount of gully erosion that we have, and some of these gullies are pretty deep. There's nothing we can do right now for the most part until this fall to fix some of these scars that we have out there. But these are hazards, uh, the ones that I'm looking at. And I think as, as farmers, we need to maybe start to map them, maybe put your drones up and get some pictures while we can still see the ground uh, within itself. We need to know where these are because some of these gullies are uh, are going to cause a lot of problem for everybody coming along in the spraying process. So if trying to get across these fields side dressing or high clearance or spraying, right now we can see the, the, the gullies and the washouts up there and we can slow down. But once these rows close and we're out there trying to put on a fungicide or a post-herbicide and we don't know they're out there, especially for some of these sprayers, uh, uh, it could be treacherous. Don't do this to your retailer. Make sure he knows or you let him know where it's washed and maybe draw him some maps. They may have to be turned around in some of the fields that we're in uh, this week. They're going to have to turn around in the field because uh, the erosion is, is pretty bad out there itself. So a situation where I think we need to think about that. And in many cases, if you're, if you're in reduced till or no-till uh, or had grass waterways in place, we weathered it pretty good. Um, and they slowed that water down and stopped it. As we fix these gullies and washouts this fall, maybe have to start to thinking about a little more prevention for something like this uh, not to happen on your farm itself. And if we're not going to reduce the tillage or we're not going to put in a waterway, maybe we ought to think about as we fill these gullies in and ruts, maybe we ought to think about seeding them into something like cereal rye. So we could seed them this fall into cereal rye, clear up to Thanksgiving, get a good growth in that uh, in that water run and then next spring uh, come planting time we could just come in there and kill it or we could plant through those waterways and kill it after we plant and it'd be an annual waterway instead of a permanent waterway that you could farm through but you would be running up and down those waterways with a drill every fall and kind of protecting yourself now i'm not talking about the whole field i'm just talking about some of these water runs that you're continually going out there and scraping in and this year you you, know, you may have to bring in a dirt mover to get some of these filled in they could have been covered uh with cereal rye right up to the day of planting or the day after planting we could have went in there and then taken them out uh and dealt with it but just something to think about in the process of trying to slow this down. Maybe it's time to rethink some of our methods. You know, if on the 17th your farm was blowing away, and I had some calls, he said, well, I don't know. He says, you know, I'm no-tilling, but my neighbor's field is cutting my corn off and that type of thing. You know, it's almost like drifting on your neighbor. But if your fields were the ones that were getting up and getting away, maybe it's time to rethink our paradigm as far as what we're doing out here and start to think about more stewardship within the farm itself and thinking, how can we move this from a conventional program into vertical till, no-till, strip-till, maybe even add cover crops in our toughest soils itself. Some of that soil blown was just nothing more than soil health. We didn't have the crumbs structure to hold it the soil had been too abused and it started to cut loose and and away it went and it wasn't just tillage it was uh, fields that were cutting loose that had corn growing in it itself maybe it's time uh, here in central Illinois we we give this a, a rethinking maybe this was a wake-up call for a lot of people and I throw that out there because a couple three weeks ago I went out to my wife and I went out to Des Moines uh, move our daughter from college and if you haven't been that way take the interstate 80 across the southern part of Iowa it is flat out impressive how much conservation tillage is being practiced along that interstate and how that's changed in the last five years. The amount of conservation tillage 
no tillage, cover crops, has changed that landscape out there itself. On the 17th, I would like to have been out there driving and see if their interstates was getting shut down like the one I was driving on because so much soil was blowing on it. Those guys out there, and I commend the the farmers out there along Interstate 80 for what they've done out there is changing that landscape. Uh, We see something good here at CropTech. We we, uh, give it a thumbs up. We call it an attaboy. And I'm giving you guys out there in Iowa an attaboy for what you're doing to keep your soil in place and your stewardship. And I think maybe uh, we're way under practice here. So with that, I'll get off my soapbox. Guys, keep her moving. Keep her safe. Talk to you next week.